ask you please to turn briefly to 2 Timothy chapter 2 this morning. We've talked about this last time. We just have a brief time remaining this morning. We take a good, a good long time for the Lord's table. Um, I want to direct your attention to verse 3, where the apostle gives one of his great commands to Timothy. He says, you therefore suffer hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And he's using the soldier here as an illustration. This does not mean force-on-force kinetic military conflict, okay? It does reference a war that we're in, but it's not a war of, of flesh and blood. As Paul, same writer, tells us in Ephesians chapter 6, it's a spiritual thing against God's enemy. And the way we fight it is we put on the armor and we stand firm. And the shield of faith can extinguish flaming arrows of the evil one. So Satan's on the attack. 1 Peter 5, 8, he's a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The way he devours people, like in Genesis 3, is he gets you to disagree with God and agree with him, and he, and he deceives you. And you're, you're eaten. But here, he uses the soldier illustration because it's hard to be a soldier. It's hard to take up the cross and follow Jesus Christ. It's hard to be a disciple. It's not easy. It's easy to become a Christian. It really is. For you, it's easy. For Jesus Christ, it was the cross. For you, it is faith in Jesus as your Savior. Paul is not telling you how to become a Christian. He's telling you how to walk as one. And the walk requires maturity, and life is hard. Life is hard whether you're a Christian or not, but the Christian life is much harder because the enemy of God, the ruler of this present darkness, is seeking to devour you. And his world system is full of deception in many different ways and frames of showing deception. So Paul tells him, look, you're, you're in a hard deal, so uh, let's get after it. We're in a culture that embraces hardship more and more. You ever heard of CrossFit? That's hard. But after a little while of doing it, you start to like it. I'm told. I'm not a stranger to the gym. I just haven't found a CrossFit place yet. Probably need to. Text me if you know a good spot. We do tough mutters. We do uh, Spartan challenges. We, we make obstacle courses that have nothing to do with police or military certifications. We just do them to wear the t-shirt. I did it. We embrace hardship because there's something about it of great value to us Something about going through a process. We put ourselves through marathons and half marathons. We go on long backpacking trips with Mr. Boyden. We do hard things because we're stronger after we do it. And in a lot of the stuff I'm talking about, it's just doing it for its own sake. That's not what Paul's talking about. He's not saying let's suck this up and do the hard thing because then we can say we did it. It's because we have a mission and it is eternally eternally consequential that you make disciples for all those that become believers. 
Now, I mentioned the world and Satan's attacks. I mentioned the, dece- the, the deceiver and those that are deceived. You understand that the entire world of the deceived are bound for separation eternally from God. And yet Jesus paid for all their sins as we just celebrated. Because someone needs to tell them, Jesus died for your sins. God the Father loved you this way. He sent his son to die for your sins. Why? So that if you trust in Jesus as your savior, you will never perish, but have everlasting life. And that perishing is the separation from God. Jesus died for your sins and for my sins. You therefore suffer hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ is your summary. And then you have three illustrations Paul uses for the suffering that will be this life of making disciples against a world opposed to you, against a world deceived, against a world whose morality says the opposite of what God's word requires. No one soldiering gets entangled in the affairs of civilian life so that the one who enlisted him, he may please. Watch the illustration and the principle. There's a principle there and the the three illustrations are all different. The soldier is seeking to please the boss. If anyone competes as an athlete, he's not crowned as a victor unless he competes lawfully. You want to win, you play by the rules. You don't violate the rules of the game. As for the hardworking farmer, it is necessary that he receive the first share of the fruit. Hard work, you get the produce. Hard work begets produce. These are the principles that he's illustrating suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ in this mission that is saving the people that are opposed to what you're offering. You're going to a world. Think of Paul's life. No one's ever heard of Jesus Christ in the, in the Gentile world. No one's ever heard of the Messiah of Israel except the people that spoke about the Messiah in the synagogues throughout the Roman world. And Paul is going to people that all know better and their morality is all different and they all know this is the right way and they're all wrong. And Paul is going to tell them, and this is very interesting, all of your moral systems are wrong, all of your epistemology is wrong, all your basic philosophy is wrong, and you need to completely reject it and embrace Jesus Christ, God the Son who is their creator who came to earth to die for your sins. That's what he's, that's, I mean, wouldn't it take a miracle for this to catch on (laughs) in a world that everyone knows better, except they don't because everyone's looking for something new. Everyone's on that frantic search for happiness. Everyone's on that, that merry-go-round looking for something that'll, that'll satisfy. Paul has it here. You've been called to embrace the hardship that comes from this mission. And so the theology of 2 Timothy is in a world opposed to the gospel, we who work in it have to be hard. We have to be strong, we have to be empowered by God himself to bear up under inevitable suffering. So let's talk about the way to soldier and summarize these things. I thought it was really helpful. He says, no one soldiering gets entangled in the affairs of civilian life. No one soldiering gets out of mission onto the details. You're, You're supposed to be focused on soldiering. 
be sharpening your spear if you're a private. Be, uh, be working on your manifests if you're an officer and, um, and, and, and your orders and so forth. But you're not focused on the civilian life. You don't need to read the newspaper, as it were, because you're busy on mission. And the reason, he says, is so that the one who enlisted him, he may please. You want to please the, the commander. That's the soldier. He's looking up. He's looking ahead. One Southern humorist once said that um, life is like a sled dog team. Unless you're the, the lead dog, the, the view never changes. Um, the soldier knows. If you think about soldiers, they're happy. Or they're, they're happy and healthy if they're complaining. Soldiers hate being soldiers in the moment. And then they're all nostalgic. We're all nostalgic after. Oh, those were great times. Man, that was the best. That was great. If you go to any unit in any military force, I, I, I'm, I'm content. They will complain about how messed up the unit is, how crazy it is, how awful it is, right? It's suffering. How many times did I see guys do work just to do work? And from, from their perspective, they're young guys. They can think, they're like, why are we moving these rocks over here today to put these rocks over here tomorrow? That doesn't make any sense. And as a young officer watching these guys, I'm like, this really is tough, man. I really hate that. As an older guy now, I'm like, those guys need to be busy all the time or they're just going to get in trouble all the time. So you have to invent stuff for them to do. Guess who was running the show? The old, the old first sergeant knew what they needed. The point is that I'm trying to make is that it's hard to be a soldier. But one of the things that makes it easier is you're looking up at the boss and you're thinking, what does the boss want? It's a helpful way to integrate into a difficult life. It's the way. Jerry Clower once said it this way, figure out who's in charge and give him what he wants. It's the first principle in life, and it's the greatest principle for young people to learn that God is sovereign, I'm his creature, figure out who's in charge and give him what he wants. That's how we relate to God. And you delegate that down to the various authority structures, figure out who the boss is. If you're a private soldier and you have like a a corporal who's a squad leader, then you figure out what the squad leader wants and you give it to him. Meaning you do your job that he's assigned and you do it well. Guess what happens? You become the corporal pretty quick. Because that corporal becomes a sergeant. He says, he's the one that'll get the squad going next. And that's how it works. And that's the story of Joseph and promotion. But you're looking to please the boss, not to be a sycophant, not to please the boss, to ingratiate yourself and be that slimy person that we all know at work. No, you figure out who the authority is and you serve under the mission that you've been given, not being distracted. The athlete is competing because he wants to win. There's glory in the winner of the Olympic Games. In the Roman system, at one point in the empire, they would ride you in on a victorious chariot. They would give you the great wreath of olive, um, of olive leaves. They would 
tear a wall. They have to put a hole in the wall for you to triumphantly enter like a, like a conquering general through the wall. And they would put it back and put a plaque up. This wall was destroyed to let so-and-so uh, through. And we would, some three-named guy with a Roman name. And we would we put the plaque back up to say, he won in the games. You would not pay income tax for the rest of your life. And all these benefits, this monetary benefit for being the victor in the great Isthmian games or the, the Olympic games or whatever the Greek games would be. It's a great boon to the person who competes. Today, I guess, in the news, they're all talking about the homecoming. Everybody know about the homecoming? Something about a goat is coming back to play in New England. I don't know anything about goats and playing in New England or homecomings. It involves not including the gronk. The goat is coming, but the gronk is not. I don't know any of these things. Anyway, that's NFL humor. But why did they honor these, these players of games? Because they, they're performing at an incredible, incredibly high level and they do things that no one else can do and they get a bunch of other people that can do those same things, the superheroes of, of the human race. And uh, no asterisks, no performance enhancements, just, just genetically superior and, uh, and, and trained to a high level. And, and then we watch them beat each other. And there's great glory to excellent performance. And it takes everything for these superstar athletes to, to devote their lives to maintaining their bodies. You hear, what's the big news when you've got a sports team and somebody, somebody gets an injury? Well, now you start thinking, how can, the, how can they, they have no offense if this guy gets an injury? They, they, they had three weapons in their offense, and now they only have two, that kind of thing. If anyone competes as an athlete... He is not crowned as a victor unless he competes lawfully. So this is the point of fitting into the system that you're in. If you want to win, now I'm not saying you need to go out and be a big athlete. This is the illustration of those who are. If you want to win the, the wreath and get the, the, the wall knocked down and go through as the, as the victor, you have to play the game according to the rules. What does this have to do with being a good soldier and suffering with Christ? This life has a mission and you have to be on mission and you have to do it God's way if you want to win. And so Paul illustrates it. He doesn't say we're playing games, but he illustrates it as a game, as, a, as an athletic competition. And we're not competing with each other and don't go there. And the Holy Spirit working in you is not competing against the Holy Spirit working in me. He's not playing chess against himself or something. But there is, to the victor go the spoils. And then he talks about the spoils. As for the hardworking farmer, it's necessary. De, a common Greek verb, three-letter verb, delta, epsilon, yoda, D-E-I, de. It is necessary that he receive the first share of the fruit. Now, this is not in contradiction to God getting the first fruits or anything like that. What he's referring to about getting the first share of the fruit is that the, the, the farmer is going to do all his harvesting and all his planting and harvesting and get all the harvest gathered in, right? And gathered into the barn and that is gonna go to market. But we've harvested today, market time starts tomorrow. So what happens tonight? Vegetable soup, we get to eat. We get the first share because we have to survive and part of the, the benefit of harvesting this wheat is the bread she's gonna make. And so that is the way to think about it. If you're a hardworking farmer, you get to eat well when there's good growing season. So let's look at the illustration and its principles. The first principle is if you avoid entanglements as a soldier, then you will be pleasing to the boss. And that is your, notice the way Paul starts, the personal relationship with God is in focus. 
don't get distracted from the mission into the other details of life that are all part of the mission. You're focused on the mission because you're focused on your greatest objective. Second Corinthians five, nine is to be pleasing to him because he's going to render a judgment. Our greatest ambition is to be pleasing to him. Never forget that. This is a personal relationship. And so all those works that you do for God that he's put in in your path for you to do in Ephesians 2.10 are in view of pleasing him. The athlete competes according to the rules. Compete according to the rules so that you win the crown. There is a prize in this arrangement. I could keep going with the personal illustration. My way of doing this is a business. I'll show you the business model again in just a minute. Dad started a business. He raised me up and he tries to hand it to me. That's the idea here. But you have plays that you have to make. You have decisions that you need to make. You have moves to make with your resources as a steward of all your resources, your time, your spiritual gift, your time, the time of your life, the days that you have, the few that remain. These are the greatest resources, right? What are you going to do with those resources? Well, we better figure out what the game is and then play according to the rules because we want to win the crown. And then the farmer who works hard gets his due. The farmer gets his share. It's due to him. It's necessary that he receive this. This is what Paul's saying. See, my illustration, based on the culture I live in, I'm not a farmer or the son of a farmer. I'm a grandson of a farmer, it turns out. Um, down in Texas, they did a truck farm, my, my father's stepdad. And um, that was hard work. And the people that they had hired to work, it was very interesting. My grandfather was a, an electrician, a union man all his life, buy American, buy American, buy American, Retri- retired, bought a truck, bought a farm, raised tomatoes and cantaloupes and stuff to take to the truck market. And it was all planted and harvested by illegal labor, illegal uh, Mexican laborers. And we laughed about that, how he bought, even bought a Mitsubishi or whatever tractor. Anyway, um, <laughs> it's, it's funny how we go from an artificial business structure to something that you actually have to make money. Uh, you, you, you figure out ways to, to, to cut costs. <laughs> um, when you are uh, the son of a, of a business uh, man, a, a great mogul, an industry, a man that builds the company, why do people do the things they do? Well, eventually we, we get with Solomon and say the greatest thing is your family under the sun. And then there's God beyond the sun. But if you're just under the sun, the greatest business people will, will think fondly of their children and try to hand it off. They'll try to provide as, they, as the kids grow and they, the business grows. Dad starts thinking about the kids or maybe he's always been thinking about the kids. Something to hand off to the children, obviously. Well, your heavenly father has work that he's inviting you to do. It's a project he could do without you, but he wants you to be part of it. It's making disciples. And that's what Timothy has floundered in doing, and he's being equipped to do it again, to be a good soldier in the mission of the gospel. Well, one way you grow in the dad and your dad's training is that he teaches you to focus on the mission and not be distracted by things that are off mission. It's fine to get into some other things, but if you get distracted from your work, that'd be bad. So you avoid these entanglements because you want to please the one that's training you. He's trying to groom you so that when you hit your majority, you can become a partner so that you can be uh, someone in leadership and have greater responsibility in the work that he's done. So he starts you off as a kid, emptying trash cans over in the sales office. 
and uh, eventually you graduate over after many waste cans and bathrooms are clean, you find yourself uh, delivering the mail and, uh, and you work your way through and it's, everyone knows you're the crown prince and everybody knows eventually you're gonna be on the board. But right now you are serving and doing the legwork that makes this business run. Eventually you might get your license and dad lets you be part of the delivery trucks or the loading dock or something that's part of this work, but you're growing up and you're getting more responsibility and you're learning the business. So you're competing in this model, in this illustration, according to the rules, the way this business works is that we actually report what came in and what goes out and we don't falsify our documents. We're consistent in our communication. We don't fudge on taxes and we don't, uh, and we don't, we don't, uh, uh, pay people off to get over things. We do, we have a, we do in, uh, integrity in our work and you learn the rules of the business because there's coming a time when dad's going to say, I want you to become my successor in administering this business. And there's your crown. There's your responsibility. We're going to open up a new branch in, uh, in Tennessee and we want you to run it. Or at the end of Roald Dahl's best book, Willy Wonka or Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Charlie, you get the Chocolate Factory. You're the one. You made it through, you get to inherit the entire thing, and now nobody has to be hungry anymore. All this time, you've been working in your dad's business. All this time, you're 30 years old. You don't know that behind the scenes, he's been building this other branch that he's about to launch and make you the director. But you've been working, you've been faithful, you've been humble, and you know the whole business, and you are, you're ready to run it. You worked hard. Now it's your due. It's, you should be the director of this. There's no one else to do it. You're the one. You're the farmer who gets his due. See, the inheritance that God has laid up for us includes things that are inevitable that all believers receive, but it also includes, it's described as the reward of the inheritance for uh, the works that we do, the, the Christian grace works that God has for us in this mission. And uh, I love the illustration the way to soldier. I love the way Paul goes into this idea of hardship and says, bear up. Well, the whole focus is the gospel ministry. The whole focus is not the illustration. It is the Lord Jesus. And Paul will conclude the illustration. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descendant of David, according to my gospel, for which I suffer hardship, even to imprisonment as a criminal. But the word of God is not imprisoned. You can, from the world's perspective, look at Paul in prison, be ashamed, or you can hear the apostle of Jesus Christ tell you how to think about this and say, this is the work that gains the crown. Paul says, there's a crown of glory laid up for me because of his work. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, We close this morning with the words of life. Again, whoever is in the hearing of my voice, if you have never considered Jesus as your savior, this is an opportunity to think of these things. We've celebrated his death, his person, and his work for us on the cross. We've talked about it in theological terms. We've discussed the consequence of it as a believer, like Timothy, who needs to bear up under suffering as a good soldier for Christ in a context that is conflict. There's no way out of the conflict. Everybody's in it, but most people don't know it. But God says, through the Apostle Paul, that God has taken believers and transferred them from the domain of darkness to the kingdom of his beloved son. 
And that's really the issue. Who do you belong to? What do you do with Jesus Christ? God sent his son to die for you because he loved you. We read in Galatians 2 that Jesus loved me and gave himself for me. It was a willing sacrifice. Jesus went because of us. He loved us. He wanted us. The point is that God made you for himself and he wants a relationship with you. And that's why Jesus Christ came to die for your sins. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Father, we thank you for the eternal life that we've enjoyed today. We've celebrated and we've thought about even our responsibilities in living it. Don't let us shrink back in shame at our, at our Savior's appearing. But know, as Paul did, that our life committed to this work that you've empowered us to do, that our life counted that it is day by day counting as we're walking by your spirit and your works. We ask in Jesus' name. We have said...